Good to see you all. My name's Matt. It's great to be here. Um, I just want to echo the sentiments that have been shared already this morning. Um, it's been really encouraging to me today that there is nothing that we can do that can hide us from God's face. There's nothing that we can do that can separate us from his love for us. There's nothing that we can do or that we have done that will diminish God's love for us. It's important for us to hear that. It's important for us to acknowledge that because so often we get caught in our own thoughts and our own emotions. There's nothing in my emotional being that stops God loving me. When I'm having a rubbish day, God still loves me. When I'm having a rubbish self-esteem day, God still loves me. I just want to start with that because that's an important element of what I'm sharing with, about, with, with you today. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It is Pentecost Sunday and it all is also Reconciliation Sunday, Recon, start of Reconciliation Week here in Australia. So I'm doing a mashup combination preach on what it means to be reconciled to God through the Holy Spirit. I wonder if you've had a dispute with someone. I know you have. Never. This is being recorded, so it's on YouTube, but let me just start. So here we are. I'm, we've just arrived in Rome. Actually, we were in Paris. We're getting a 5 a.m. flight. We fly to Rome. Good. God bless. I'm in Rome. It is going to be the time of our lives, but I'm there with my brother. And my brother has his phone out and he is freaking out because he needs to get to this restaurant that he looked up online because Rome is the place of eating. Rome is the place that we were going to go and eat the, the three special pastas, four, I don't know how many special pastas that Google told him we were going to see. And then we, we had to go to this panini bar that he found online because the Google reviews were through the roof. And so he was guided by his little phone and we arrived at the airport and the flight had been delayed. And oh, it's going to close soon, he said. And so then he dragged, we landed, we raced to the city, we dropped our bags and then we proceeded to race down the alleyways of Rome to find the panini bar. We happened, as you do, to be going past the Trevi Fountain, which is beautiful. But we almost ignored it as we ran to, the, to, to our destination for this, for this uh, panini bar. Anyway, thankfully, my wife was there and she remedied the situation. And she said to him, Ben, we need to feed the kids. Oh, we've got to go to the panini bar. Anyway, dispute happened. We don't need all the details. <laughs> so here I am in, in Rome having a dispute with someone in this magical wonderland of the place of Rome. Ended up that we, we spent quite a bit of time separated on that trip for the rest of Rome. Shout out. Hey, Ben, if you're watching, look, Google. Um, so today I want to share about Reconciliation. What happened? Well, the paninis were average paninis. <laughs> but we, it was tainted by conflict. We did have a chance to reconcile and chat about this afterwards. I think. I think we're good. <laughs> Reconciliation. 
so when I looked up the meaning of reconciliation, it's a transformation. It's moving from a place of separation, of hurt, of brokenness, something that is damaged and broken, to a place of healing, wholeness, forgiveness and reunion. What was broken is now repaired. I wonder if you've had something in your life that was once broken, whether it was something precious to you or you found it that way and you chose to restore it. I wonder if you've experienced the joy or the simple joy of taking something that was broken and fixing it and then putting it to use again. I just think of times when, in my life when I've taken what was a pallet in its previous life and put it together and made it something new. This idea that something broken can come together to something good. Pastor Ben shared a few weeks ago about the prodigal son and I think when I recall the story of the prodigal son, it's one of the ultimate stories of reconciliation. It's one of the ultimate stories and if you you know it, the, the son is selfish, he takes off, he goes and parties, he ignores all the good stuff in his life or all the old stuff that was good and he starts seeking new stuff that is good, stuff to fill him and shape him and he goes and parties and is disconnected from his family and in the natural we can feel like that he might be separated and cut off because he's done the wrong thing he's gone and he's he's taken all his money and he's gone and blown it but here we see a picture in this story of the father welcoming him home despite what he's done despite the fact that he's gone and squandered all his inheritance. Firstly, even to ask for his inheritance was an ultimate insult. It's basically saying, I wish you were dead, Dad. Give me my money. But here we are. We witness this story in the Gospels of this man, this son returning to his father and his father lavishing everything on him despite what he'd done, an ultimate act of reconciliation. In God's story, God's story is full of these acts of reconciliation. You see, in Genesis 3, we talk about the creation story. Genesis 1 and 2, we talk about creation. Genesis 3, we see the Garden of Eden, a beautiful place, a place of paradise, a place that is without blemish. We see the creation of Adam and Eve in that place, in this place of beauty. And then we ultimately see their disobedience. We see them doing their own thing. We see God kicking them out and locking the gates, so to speak. When I thought of this, I thought, of, imagine you're in a place of beauty, in a place of tranquility, a place, the Mount Lofty Botanical Gardens or the Botanical Gardens in the city or some other great place that you might recall in your mind when you think of nature and its beauty. I wonder if you think you're having a, a time there with someone special and all of a sudden just one thing you do and the, someone comes and just kicks you out and locks the gate and then you can't go back in. That's what I think about when I think about this. That God just kicked them out and it was over. It was done. This great thing of perfect harmony that was there with, with, um, in the Garden of Eden where God, we were able to speak to God directly, Adam and Eve, 
had conversation with God. They were communing with him. There was this perfect communion. They were one with God. And then God shuts the door and kicks them out. But then the whole story of of the Bible, the whole biblical narrative is God extending his hand towards reconciliation. Everything that happens, whether it's um, going through Israel, going through the Dead Sea, there's all sorts of times and opportunities for God's people to find their way back to him. And it continues all the way up until Jesus comes into the picture. And we, we celebrate Jesus as our saviour, the person who came to heal us, to make us new, to renew us. But the ultimate plan of God was that Jesus would act as a reconciler, that he would come and bring us back to wholeness in him. What was once separated, what was once tarnished and broken, was now coming back to wholeness through Jesus. We were coming back to him. Sin is dealt with on the cross. We're white as snow. Sometimes we take that for granted that we, yes, our individual sin is clean. Yes, our individual self is clean and restored and renewed. But if we look deeper, the act of reconciliation is complete in Jesus. So it's not just about my faith. It's not just about my story where I was once lost and now I'm found. It's that the whole of creation the whole of God's people, the whole of God's church is reconciled through Christ on the cross. You see, when he was crucified, the veil was torn in two. The thing that separated us from God, the thing that separated us from having communion with him directly was brought down. And access to God was restored and relationships were reconciled. I did have a clicker. I've got Charlotte. I made slides and I forgot. I'm like, there's a slide here. So reconciliation between others. Can you bring it, Charlotte? Is it there? Oh, you got it on the screen for me? You are a champion. Yeah, there we go. Let's, let's, let's freestyle it, Charlotte. We'll, we'll do our best. So um, Romans 5, 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is much more certain, having been reconciled, that he will be saved from the consequences of sin by his life. That is, we will be saved because Christ lives today. Amen and amen. As I was researching this, I was doing lots of reading, lots of reading. It's what happens now that I'm a student. I'll go and read books and stuff. And I found a, a whole theology of reconciliation. And it was a very long paper written by lots of different individuals um, to a specific church in America, but they were talking about reconciliation. And there's, I haven't got these on the screen, but there's some, some great quotes that I just want to read for you right now. So, reconciliation always has a practical justice and mercy component. Genuine reconciliation is so connected in the biblical narrative to the humble practice of justice and mercy that it cannot be separated. Reconciliation is so connected 
that it cannot be separated from justice and mercy. Talking about reconciliation without talking about justice and mercy is the equivalent of talking about loving God without loving his people. If we are to talk about the need for reconciliation purchased by Christ, which is this verse here, in the church context today, we must talk about justice and compassion for the poor and the one who is alien to us, the other. This just resonates with me so much. If you know my heart, if you know my work, if you know my past, I've had the privilege of sitting across the table from so many people in our community. I worked for the Salvation Army for 15 years. And, my, and the ability that God used me in that space just to touch those that were otherwise pushed out of society. And that's my prayer for us, is that we would connect with those. We would connect with the other. We would connect with those that feel like they are alien to us. That is my prayer. Got the next slide there, Charlotte. Colossians 3, 11. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. So, so many things happened on the day of Pentecost. We've got another slide there, Charlotte. We're talking about the, the day of Pentecost now and what it means. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Next slide, Charlotte, please. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. So there were, every nation was gathered there in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Next slide. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from all over Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phryga. Pamphylia, I haven't pre-read this, Egypt and the areas around Libya and Sion, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages the wonderful things God has done. They stood here amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. I wonder if you've ever tried to learn a new language. Or maybe you have a new language. I, when I started dating my wife, I went and book, bought a Swahili book and CD from Dimmicks in Rundle Mall. It cost me $100. I didn't learn. 
it was a gesture of goodwill, but, but, but I, I never did learn Swahili. I could say a few things. Nakupenda wewe. I love you very much. Mungu Ababariki, God bless you. Um, hmm? I'm getting comments from my son. I wonder if you've ever had to learn a new language. And the amazement that, you know, when we travel and when I, I sit with my wife and she's talking to her family, I've learnt now to kind of pick up on words. And In fact, I'll tell this funny story. When we were, when we were dating each other, we, um, I would often drive her. I was her driver. So I'd go and pick her up and take her to church with the other African girls in the back. And, they, and Jackie would recount her week, right? So she'd say, Oh, da 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 cinema. I went to the cinema with, and I'm like, yeah, I know what she's talking about. So I would freak the girls out because I would pick up on just little English words, or little words that I knew, and I would say, yes. And they'd say, hey, you, I'm talking about you in my own language. You're not meant to know what's going on. <laughs> anyway, I digress. So, I don't know if it's in this bit. Anyway, so in this scripture, we see that it was the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles as, as well as everyone else that was there. That the Holy Spirit enabled a people who were scattered. So if we go back and we look at the story of why God's people were scattered, they built a, a tower to Babel and then they had pride and then God saw that and then scattered everybody and confused their language so that they no longer could act in pride, but they were separated across all the lands. And here at Pentecost, we see the coming together of God's people again. So we had the Garden of Eden where we were separated, and Jesus came back and, and brought us together. We had the Tower of Babel happen, and then we had Pentecost happen where everyone was coming back to us. A great writer, Boyd in the... Myth of Christian Religion, which is a great book. I encourage you to read it if you can. On reflection of this point of that the Holy Spirit was poured out onto the Gentiles, onto outsiders that became insiders, Boyd says this, Are the prostitutes and tax collectors attracted to us as a church? Or are they repelled by us as a church? Jesus was known for the scandalous way he loved. Religious people saw him as a rebel who was tearing down the moral fabric of society. If you reflect on him and the Pharisees, they would always argue about the done thing, the thing that was socially acceptable. And Jesus came and smashed those things and said, I refuse to put people in a box. I refuse to put people in a box. I refuse to, to classify this person as holy and this other person as unholy. Jesus saw everyone as equal. Whether you're a tax collector, a prostitute, a Pharisee, a Roman, he saw everyone as equal. All are equal to Jesus. He didn't care where you were born, where you came from, whether you're male or female, whether you're rich or poor. He loved you despite all that stuff. Justice is often defined as doing what is right. We as followers of Jesus are called to be like him, to not see 
others as different from ourselves. We're called to love the poor. We're called to love the outsider. We're called to love the other. And God's story always includes the other. God is kindness in an unkind world. God is kindness in an unkind world. I think here about Rahab. Rahab the prostitute who ended up in the line of David and then in the line of Jesus. She was reconciled despite who she was. She was reconciled despite her behaviours in her past. She was brought into right relationship with Jesus and then she was a descendant of Jesus. We're reconciled back to God, but we're also reconciled to each other. Charlotte, have we got a slide there? Matthew 5. I think we do. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. This, when I look this up, I'll preface this by saying that just look at what he classifies, how he classifies murder and how he classifies the other things in this passage because it blew me away. Have you heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder? If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, even if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Here he's classifying judgment. I'm pretty sure it's the same word. I haven't looked up the Greek demo, but I'm pretty sure it's the same word. Murder and anger if, is the same word the judgment is used. If you call someone an idiot... I might have done that before. You're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When we talk about reconciliation between each other, as his people, as his church, here you see calling someone an idiot, calling someone a fool, judging someone who doesn't deserve to be judged is right up there with murder. So murder and anger or dispute with a brother or sister are the same. And then it says, suddenly if you remember you've got an anger issue or an issue of any kind with someone, go and reconcile with them. Go and make it better with them before you come and lay your altars at the church. Unity in the church and unity in the world is what God calls us to have. He calls us to be peacemakers in the world. To welcome those who sit outside this place into this place. To welcome those who are the other, those that are different from us. The scripture says those that are the alien to us and to welcome them into this place. As I pondered on how this fits into the Reconciliation Week narrative, what this means, God gave me Three words, to love, 
to listen and to learn? How can we engage with the other, with our First Nations brothers and sisters? We can love, we can listen, and we can learn. We can sit with our First Nations people and we can hear them, truly hear them. Hear their hearts, hear their pain, hear their stories. I then took love, listen and learn and I said, we can seek, we can seek them out. We can seek relationship. I then took listen and replaced that with stop. We can stop, stop our own way of thinking. Stop our own preconceived ideas of who they are. Stop what the world tells us they are that's resonating in our mind and we can listen. And then I correlated learn with sorry. I wanted three L's and three S's. We can seek, we can stop and we can say sorry. As we learn their stories, as we learn the injustice that has happened to them. Charlotte, is there a slide there? I want to know what it is. These are some verses that I found when I was researching reconciliation between the church and Aboriginal Australia and and I've got a few here. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. This is just reiterating that we are all the same. No matter where we are born, no matter the colour of our skin, no matter our background. The scripture says in Genesis 1-2, God created mankind in his own image, and we're all the same. Second Chronicles 7, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If we are going to have healing in the church, in our land, then... We need to turn from our wicked ways. We need to acknowledge that we have done things wrong. Charlotte, have you got the next slide there as well? A new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. We must love. We must love all people. We must learn to do what right is right. We must seek justice. We must defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. When we are dealing with people who don't sit in this space regularly with us, the poor, those that sit outside those spaces, when we're dealing with Aboriginal Australia, we must learn to do what is right. We must seek justice. We must plead the case of the widow. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves. This is that stubborn thing where we might shake our fists and go, well, they've done something to me. Not only our First Nations, but anybody. This is that verse. But you did stuff. You were selfish to me. I don't understand you. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility place others above yourselves when we learn new things we see differently the knowledge is a new lens 
been doing lots of study lately and, and one of the things that I'm learning is, and it was always here, but I'm learning to see others through new lenses. I do a subject called sociology and that teaches us to view gender and race and wealth and youth and all sorts of things and to look at them through these paradigms, these academic paradigms. But I wonder if God is challenging us today to to look at our world through paradigms that are shifted from our own selfish kind of paradigms to paradigms that are, are coming from the Father himself, coming from, from the Holy Spirit. Because as we celebrate Pentecost today, we celebrate a day when the Holy Spirit comes as a helper, as an advocate, an advocate. The Holy Spirit comes to advocate on our behalf. He comes to make things right when things are not. This knowledge is a new lens. You know, Brooke Prentice from Common Grace, I didn't put the reading up for this one, I don't think. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. I might have, did I? Charlotte, is it there? No, that's okay. It's talking about the, the benefit of a friend. And she puts it this way, Brooke Prentice is a, um, heads up, common grace, she's an Aboriginal woman. She has some great thoughts on reconciliation. And she says this, that the Bible describes the benefit of a friend walking with us and supporting us. And she says these things. Pray that you will open yourself up to friendship with an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person this Reconciliation Week. And if you know one, message one. Get in contact with someone who's from the First Nations community. If you know them, hang out with them and learn and, and sit with them and guide them. And if you don't have an Aboriginal friend or someone that you know that's Aboriginal, pray for someone. Pray for someone to come into your life that may open your eyes to this stuff. Because what would happen if each of us in this room, the stats she quotes are that 90% of Australians do not know an Aboriginal person. 90% of us. I've got some acquaintances. I might call Uncle Andrew Fijo. We might all call Uncle Andrew Fijo this week. But imagine if all of us were in relationship with people from our First Nations community, Aboriginal people. Imagine that. Imagine what this place would look like if we all took time out to spend time and learn and hang out. Reconciliation is a biblical principle. It's a principle, as we've discussed, of what was separated in the Garden of Eden and the, new, the old, what was separated there, all the way through to Jesus, where Jesus came and allowed us to be close to him again, to be close to God. Where the things that tore us, the things that separated us from God were torn down so we can have right communion with him again. And he comes and teaches us on how to restore a relationship, how to restore a relationship in this place, how to restore a relationship with God, how to restore the brokenness that might be inside of us, how to restore and reconcile our relationships with those that might sit outside this place with our neighbours. 
his commandment to love our neighbour as ourselves. What does that look like in this context? So I wonder, Emma, can you come and play for me, please? I wonder as we close, and I understand this is a challenging message. It's a message that causes us to reflect, almost to lament. But I want us as we close just to take a moment to think about a space or a place or a time where you haven't been fighting for reconciliation in your own life. whether that's with your another person, a brother in this place or an estranged relationship, whether that's that you need to seek reconciliation back to God, that you need to come to Him and say, I'm sorry for the things I continue to do. I need you to reconcile me back to Him. Whether it's reconciliation within yourself whether you need to say to yourself you are worth it that self-talk hasn't been helpful whether we can reflect on what in our life remains fractured or broken or damaged and on this Pentecost Sunday wonder if you'll ask the Holy Spirit to pour into your life today. The Holy Spirit that comes as a comforter and an advocate. The Holy Spirit that comes as a soft, still wind to guide you and comfort you in this place. Holy Spirit, pour your blessing on this place today. Holy Spirit, come right now and Give people unity in this place. Give people a sense of belonging in this place. Holy Spirit, come and restore what is broken. Holy Spirit, come and convict and move us to, to love our neighbours as we love ourselves. Holy Spirit, come and, and speak to us about our community. Help us to reach out to them, Holy Spirit. Give us new eyes to see and new ears to hear, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, break down anything that causes us to be distant from you. We ask your Holy Spirit to come and rest on us now, Holy Spirit. Rest on us now.